welcome to the You're Not Alone podcast, where we want you to find hope and encouragement from real people sharing their real stories. So here we go with your weekly dose of real talk, girl chat, and good vibes. Hi friends, you are in for a treat. Today's episode is with Caroline Mott. We will get a peek into her life as a wife and a mom, and learn how she is making an impact in the foster system. You will also learn about some simple ways that we can get involved to help out in the foster community. Here we go. Hey Caroline, we are so glad that you're here with us. I'm excited to be here. Caroline is my sister and she is going to talk with us today about fostering children. She has a heart for it and we just wanted to get her story behind it, her heart behind it, and tell us and our listeners kind of how we can help, that kind of thing. So to get started, tell us a little bit about who you are, your family. Okay, so I am uh, Hannah's sister and Dana's cousin, and I am married to Thomas. We've been married for almost seven years. Um, We have one biological son, Jackson, who is three. And we currently have our first foster care placement of two brothers who are seven and a half and five. Um, They came to us in December, and so we've had them about six months. And we live in Gainesville, Georgia, and I stay at home and work part-time for a nonprofit student literacy society. Fun. I love it. Yeah. All right, so tell us a little bit about why you wanted to get involved in foster care. Sure. So... I never really felt much of a pull to have my own kids. Growing up, some girls just like really want to be pregnant and really want to have a kid that looks like them and is part them, and I just never really had a strong desire for that, but I did want to adopt eventually, and the more I learned and looked into the foster care system and how there's so many kids right here in our home country waiting to be adopted and waiting for families, especially sibling groups and older kids, that I felt like that was where the Lord was leading us. And my husband was on the same page. He worked um, for a couple summers at orphanages in Romania on mission trips. So he had the same kind of heart for orphans and vulnerable children. And then if you want God to laugh, you tell him your plans. And we um, got pregnant with Jackson in 2015. So that kind of just put our plans to become a foster family on hold for a little while. And then our church started a foster care and adoption ministry. um, And we saw the support that they were trying to generate for foster families. And there were other foster families in our church that we could consult for advice and things like that. And we decided to go ahead and jump in on the next training that our church offered, which was January 2018. And almost, it took almost a year to get everything lined up with our home study, the classes, right. everything we needed for that. Um, and then we got our first placement the week before Christmas. Wow. Tell us about a little bit about the home study and what all that kind of thing involves. The home study is pretty invasive. Yes. <laughs> um, there's a lot of interviews, a lot of talking about your family of origin, you know, where you come from, what kind of things you have in your family. Um, They really try to vet you so they're not sending kids from hard places into another hard place. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the actual physical home study, it's a lot. We have 
had to put locks on most of our cabinets, especially with like the knives and scissors have to be locked up at all mm-hmm. times. Like we now have a key where we have to open the drawer to get a knife out. Um, your medications have to be locked under lock and key. They have to be double locked. They have to be locked in a, in a container and locked in a room. Okay. Uh, things like that. Uh, you have to get a like a well inspection if you're on a well, a, water, a septic pump inspection, all that kind of stuff. A general walkthrough to make sure that your home is safe, suitable for children, to see how many kids you can fit. There's rules about um, how many kids can be in a bedroom, different genders in different bedrooms, mm-hmm. things like that. So, And then you fill out a whole preference sheet of what type of children you are willing to take, ages, disabilities, race, gender, all of that. And then you kind of wait for them to call you. We went through a private foster care child placement agency um, based out of Loganville called Uniting Hope for Children, and they have been great in walking us through everything. Otherwise, you can go straight through the Department of Family and Children's Services Mm -hmm. in your county, and it might go a little faster with them, but there is definitely a benefit in having another caseworker, another Mm -hmm. advocate on your side. So tell us what that what that benefit is as far as instead like what makes that better to go through that than defects itself yeah so well first they put on the training it's called impact in the state of georgia so they provided all the training um it's 24 hours of training so we went for two hours a week for 12 weeks Um, sometimes you can do it in like two different weekends just depends and then you get an additional caseworker so when you get a foster care placement you have a defects caseworker and you get if you're with an agency you have an agency caseworker so for example our agency caseworker is awesome and she actually used to work for defects in the county where our boys are from Mm -hmm. so that that has been super helpful because she's very familiar with like the county attorney and the our you know our caseworker yes right so they also do so you get paid a per diem amount for every day that the children are with you the way the nonprofits you know are able to provide the services is they get a percentage of that Mm -hmm. per diem and then so it's easier for us because the, our agency just pays us every month for our per diem, whereas there's a lot of other foster parents I've heard that are kind of waiting, waiting on months and months of per mm-hmm. diems. And those are, nobody's in it for the money, I will tell you that, because it's, <laughs> no. it's not a lot. But for example, our grocery bill has tripled going from mm-hmm. one boy to three boys. So um, it's helpful for things like groceries. They get a clothing allowance. So our agency handles all of that financial stuff. So we don't have to do any of that, which is helpful. A lot of times um, the department will respond quicker to our agency caseworker than they will to the foster parents. Okay. They just have a little more pull, I guess. Yes. Yes. So that's helpful to have just one more person to follow up on things because defects is so overworked yes. and underpaid mm-hmm. and it's it's a hard 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 job so just having somebody else to kind of be in your corner is definitely worth it okay so you and thomas decided to foster and then you had the whole case study done tell us about the call when you got the boys so they actually called us we got approved i think on december 16th 15th or 16th somewhere around there and they could give you a kid like that day (laughs) because there's so many that need homes but they don't um they the case supervisor at our placement agency she called and to ask about our preferences just to make sure of how many kids we were willing to take that kind of thing and we had originally just said one child baby up to age six we really prefer like age three to six Mm -hmm. rather than babies because there's 
so many homes waiting for babies. Mm -hmm. And I said, I think that we could take two, you know, sibling group because there's such a high need for that. I said, I think we could do that if maybe they were like six and three or something like that. She said, oh, well, since you say that, we just had some two brothers come into care over the weekend. This was on a Monday. Yes. And they are six and three. And how would you guys feel about that? I didn't think about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I called Thomas. I called Hannah. I said, do you think I can do it? She said, no, but nobody can do it. (laughs) She said, nobody can handle three kids. I mean, that's just... So we'd be going from one to three overnight. We just decided to go ahead and say yes. yes. And it turned out they were not six and three. <laughs> they were <laughs> seven and four and a half. Oh. Um, and there were some other things that we didn't necessarily get told up front, mm-hmm. but it that's you just got to roll with it once yes. you have them. Because um, they're I, probably still gathering information, too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're getting... They yes. just know that they need a place sense. for them. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, and especially, like, the child placement agency doesn't get as much information as defects would have. Mm-hmm. So they didn't necessarily know like why they were removed from the home, why they came into care, things like that. They just right. knew kind of general okay, general things. And some things that they told us, like for example, um, our older one had not been in school. He had missed the last half of kindergarten, the first half of first grade. Mm-hmm. So she told us that he was going to have an IEP and he was going to repeat first grade. Mm-hmm. And neither of those are true. He caught back up. He did great and he's going to second grade in August. Wow. So... It's kind of a, it's a gamble, but mm-hmm. it's been good. So what do they come with? Do they send them with clothes, you know, that type of thing as far as the agency? So our our boys went to what's called a respite home for the right. first weekend. So there's some homes that are not open for long-term fostering, but they're open for short-term. Like, mm-hmm. for example, the boys came into care, I believe, late on a Friday night. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to find somebody over the weekend, so there's homes that are just open. They're, they say, okay, we'll keep them for three to five days until okay. you find a home, that kind of thing. So they went to that home. That home provided them with the clothes that they had on, clothes and shoes that they had on when they came to okay. us. Typically, they come with nothing. Mm-hmm. And then they also, Defects provides backpacks full of um, hygiene supplies you know, toothbrushes, soap, that kind of thing. But the first night that we had them, they didn't have any, like, clean underwear for the next day mm-hmm. or socks or clothes or other shoes. So you were running out to we Target. Ran, yes, <laughs> Thomas ran to Walmart at, uh-huh. like, 9 o'clock that night and got them a set of pajamas and uh, some socks and underwear and a pair of shoes and an outfit for the next day. And then we kind of started gathering things. There's a lot of great organizations one provided us each a full duffel bag full of brand new clothes, a Bible, more socks and underwear, which we still haven't even opened yet. So, you know, okay. for the, uh, like a size up, shoes, um, that organization is called SAFT, S-A-F-F-T, and there's usually one in most counties. And then our agency also brought us duffel bags of clothes. They have a clothes closet at our okay. agency. Um, so we've been, and people have been super generous with hand-me-downs and mm-hmm. other foster moms right. you know their kids grew out of so they passed oh, good. them down to us and um like it's like so a they, whole underworld kind of yes. thing yes yeah. <laughs> so, like, yes absolutely so now i have some bags ready to go to another foster mom okay um that ours have outgrown already so sweet so. okay so i know that me and you have talked about it but tell us about the foster care crisis um whether you want to talk about it nationwide or just here in Georgia tell us a little bit about that because I think it's something that 
like I didn't know about it. I knew there was kids in foster care, but I didn't know that it is as bad as it is here in the United States. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a big part of what's contributing to it is the opioid crisis, mm-hmm. um, with so many people being addicted to, you know, prescription, non-prescription, all of that. So and their kids are getting removed because they are not capable of taking care of them. Mm-hmm. Often they're living in dilapidated like living conditions because the parents are not working. You know, so. Nationwide, there's half a million children in foster care in the U.S. Um, And a lot of those, I don't know the exact percentage, but a lot of them are already, their parental rights have been terminated, and they're just waiting for a forever adoptive family. So they're in foster care, but that home might not be an adoptive resource, so they're waiting for someone. Um, If you are interested in adopting older children out of the foster care system, it is very low cost, typically costs like less than $1,000 versus... An international wow. or domestic newborn adoption is around 40000 mm-hmm. Right. Um, when you say older, like what ages do you mean? Like six and up. Oh, yeah. wow. And sibling groups also especially because they really try really hard to keep the sibling groups together. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of sibling groups. Uh, you can look on adoptuskids.org. And it's my turn now, Georgia.org, or okay. just Google. It's my we'll turn now, Georgia. In the show notes, so people can click on them. And all those children on those websites are already free to be adopted. Wow. They wow. their parental rights have been terminated, and they are. Do they just have their picture up and their stats? Their picture, or? yeah, their picture, like their age, a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. Typically, sometimes it'll have like if they have any challenges, like disabilities, mm-hmm. things like that. Any child you adopt out of foster care is probably going to need therapy for long term yeah. you know as far as like counseling yes. a lot of them need speech therapy occupational therapy different things like that so if you're interested in submit inquiry about them then they'll give you more information um, so that's nationwide here in georgia there's 15,000 children in foster care the number has doubled in the last five to seven years um, I think probably in concurrent or yeah in the same path that right the yes. mm-hmm. absolutely and then for example in Hall County where we live there's about 400 kids in care and there's only about 80 homes so each kid each home would have to have like six foster kids which wow. is not possible um, so where do they go if they don't have a home if that they're might be older a silly question no know. it's not it, a lot of them live in extended stay motels wow. which is really sad um, who takes care of them the caseworkers. So the caseworkers, I think they, as far as I know, they take shifts, like staying overnight with them. Um, If they're older, really the state of Georgia has done away with a lot of group homes because that's just Mm -hmm. not the best environment for Mm -hmm. kids to thrive. So, but there are a few group homes still for older, like I think 12 and up, 12, 13 and up teenagers. And if they're a teenager and they can't find a foster home, then they may go to a group home. But yeah, a lot of them are living in you know, Motel 6, and then they hang out at the defects office all day with the caseworker unless, you know, they're, unless it's time for school and they go to Mm -hmm. school, but until the caseworker gets off work and then the caseworker goes and stays at the hotel with them. Um, So that kind of stuff is pretty heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And that is, you know, part of what fueled our desire to want to be a foster home. You're breaking a cycle by stepping in and saying, no, I'm going to love you. I'm going to want you. We're doing a series right now at our church called They Matter, and it's about the next generation. Our next-gen pastor used to be a cop, and he was telling a story about how he 
went and picked up a kid from their parents or their mom and the mom was like I don't want them anymore you just take them and that sticks with the kids so then what are they gonna do you know passing that on to the next right to their children unless you know? they have an example unless like they you. have an example or have people that love them that want to be there for them that are in their corner that make them feel like they're not alone mm-hmm. yeah absolutely it's definitely generational um, some other kind of statistics are that 60% of the prison population was involved in the foster care system at some point wow. during their childhood, adolescence. The Of the ones that age out of foster care, so once they turn 18, they have the choice to stay in foster care, which is an awesome choice because the state will pay, continue to pay for their health insurance, they'll pay for college all that kind of stuff. They still get all their benefits, which Mm -hmm. is great. So that's a great choice. But a lot of them have been bounced around so much from home to home Mm -hmm. that they're like, why would I keep doing this? They're tired and they're done. Yeah. So they check themselves out and then they, and uh, there's a large percentage. I want to say, I think 50% of the girls who age out will become pregnant within two years. So before the age of 20, Mm -hmm. um, uh, 30%, I could be saying these statistics wrong. So don't totally quote me on these but a big percentage would also can also get caught up in sex trafficking i believe in human trafficking Mm -hmm. because they have nowhere to go and they're preyed upon Mm because they're vulnerable and they're living on the street right so there's really a lot of societal problems homelessness prisons overrunning sex trafficking prostitution teen pregnancy all of these not that they could be cured but could be dramatically reduced if we solve the foster care crisis first So I also am on our foster care and adoption ministry team at our church, and that's part of what we train people on, Mm -hmm. is that we're trying to stop the generational, break generational curses and start generational blessings. So if we can get these kids into loving Christian homes, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I mean, the Lord is sovereign and but hopefully they won't grow up to go to prison. They won't grow up and be a teen mom and continue the cycle of being um, you know, unfit parents, things like that. And then one thing that really stuck out to me was there's 15,000 kids in Georgia. There's about 15,000 churches in Georgia. Wow. So if every church could just raise up and support one foster family, mm-hmm. the Lord the would Lord. get the credit yeah. for solving the foster care crisis in our state. And that's just one family per church. Wow. And I think that's very doable. And I think that that should be our goal. I think so too. And I think some people aren't called to do it. At this point in my life at 24, I don't feel a calling to do it, but I want to support yes. however I can. So tell us, how can we, if we don't want to be involved in fostering, like actual fostering children, how can we help you? How can we support you as foster parents? The biggest thing that I have learned is that you cannot do this alone. I don't know how the foster parents who first of all, are unbelievers and don't know the Lord. I'm like, where do you get the strength to do this? Because (laughs) I'm not doing this on my own strength whatsoever. Right. So there's that. But we, so at our church, we we have the foster care and adoption ministry and we have what's called care communities. So each foster family has a care community, which is a group of um, six to 10 people and they all take turns bringing us a meal so for example if you're in the care community you would sign up to bring a meal once a month Mm -hmm. but there's four couples in your care community so you're getting a meal every week as a foster family which is amazing so like just last night um one of the sweet ladies in our group brought us dinner Mm -hmm. and it freed me up so much to 
either spend intentional time with them Mm -hmm. or, you know, take them somewhere fun, go to the park or go to the gym, do something for myself. You know, it just gives you that margin of extra time. Cause I take them to so many appointments during the week Mm -hmm. that just that one night a week and really two nights because everybody has been awesome and they always bring us enough for leftovers, (laughs) which is so great. So knowing that for two nights, I don't have to plan dinner and I know, you know, I know that it's going to be something that they'll eat is really really helpful so if even if you can't be in a care community if your church isn't like set up like to have that Mm -hmm. you can still find a foster family you can call your local defects office and say who can I help Mm -hmm. and they will happily give you the information (laughs) so there's a couple organizations as well where you can sign up to volunteer and they will connect you with a church that has a care community so you don't have to be a member of that church but you could work kind of through them Mm -hmm. promise 686 is one and live the promise which is their foster care branch from promise 686 live the promise really helps churches set up family advocacy ministries fams Mm -hmm. and that is kind of the care they came up with the care community model and things like that so they have some really helpful resources on their website if y'all want to check that out some other ways if you you know don't have an organized way but you know a foster family one thing i would say is don't ask, well, what do you need? How can I help? Okay. Mm-hmm. Just say, I'm going to bring you dinner this week. Right. What night works for you? Because if they ask you, what do you need? How can I help? You might either not know how they can help or you'll give them a huge laundry list <laughs> yes. of things. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, I'm so uh, Can you take these kids for a few days? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, and a lot of times, a lot of foster parents feel like, you know, well, we signed up for this. Y'all right. didn't sign up for this. We signed up for this. Yes. So y'all shouldn't have to... And they're already caring people. So they're like, no, yes. no it's okay. Yeah, we're fine. Yeah. We're fine. So if you just say, I'm going to bring you dinner at what night works. That's what several several people that aren't in our care community have, you know, texted mm-hmm. me and said, what night works for you? And then I'm, okay, Thursday's great. Yes. And it's, it's harder to say no when they say, I'm going to do this. Right. I have already planned to do this. And I think, too, that is something huge. That's something um, when Dad passed away, I remember my mom's friend Pam telling her because people would say, what can I do? Or I'm going to bring dinner. And Mom's like, you know, I don't, it's okay. Yeah. And I remember Pam telling her, don't take the blessing away from somebody else. Yes. Mm-hmm. Don't take that opportunity for them to it's bless good. you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think you're fine or you don't need help, whatever, don't, that, that's some, a way that the Lord's using you to bless someone else. You know, they get a huge blessing from helping you with whatever you need. So I think that's a big thing to remember, too, as foster parents, you know. Yes. Everybody needs help. Yes, especially me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Another good way to help besides food, food is always welcome. (laughs) Like when we, the day that we got our placement, my friend Miranda went to the grocery store bought us groceries and so many groceries. came to our house and yes. filled our freezer in our pantry. That so I didn't awesome. have to go grocery shopping for the next two weeks. Okay. She bought freezer meals, you know, ready to eat frozen pizzas, mm-hmm. like all that kind of stuff cool. so that we were, we didn't have to worry about going to the grocery store. I'm writing all this down mm-hmm. so we can make sure it's on <laughs> yes. the notes. Yeah. yeah. In the show notes. Um, Another thing, like, for example, when we got our two boys, I did not have enough car seats to transport all three mm-hmm. children at the same time. Mm-hmm. So there is, there's a lot of free resources that will give you a free car seat, mm-hmm. which is amazing, but I had to get there. So oh, one yeah. of my friends took um, Jackson, our three-year-old, 
to play with her little boy so I could take the other two to get the car seats. And the first week is so full. Like, you have to take them to the doctor within 48 hours. You have to take them to the dentist in the first 10 days. Wow. You have to... There's a lot of things that you have to... The caseworker has to see them in the first 72 hours, like, different things like that. So the first week is, like, very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And especially for us, we got them the week... Literally one week before Christmas. Mm -hmm. So trying to figure out Christmas presents and all that, too. So, I remember me and Corey were shopping at the last minute. We yeah. were like, we got to get them something <laughs> yes. to do. Yes. So anything you can do to just give them some margin in the first couple weeks is really big. And then I would say after the first, like, three to four months, that's kind of when the kind of a honeymoon phase with the kids yes. kind of wears off. Yeah. And they, you know, more behavior problems start right. to come They're out. They're comfortable. They're more so comfortable. They're they feel go. safe. Yeah. So anything after that, I know like one of my friends paid for a house cleaning service okay. for us for mm-hmm. two months. She paid for her to come every two weeks for two months. And oh, that I was, was going to say something like that. Or I've yes. even heard of laundromats where you can take baskets yes. of clothes and they'll do your laundry mm-hmm. for you. So like I could pay for somebody to get their laundry done, yes. like a foster yeah. family. Around and if you go community. pick it up and bring it back, they will <laughs> yeah, be even absolutely. better. Absolutely. Yes. yes. So there's a lot. And, and if you think about what you would do for a friend that just had a baby, the same, same kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, especially if somebody gets a baby. Right. You know, if somebody had a baby, they most likely had a baby shower, so they have diapers, wipes, okay. onesies, all that. If somebody gets a baby, an infant foster placement, they didn't have all that, yeah. so right. they need all of those essentials. Well, that is very detailed. Today's episode is sponsored by the Peachy Lettering Co. The Peachy Lettering Co. offers custom invitations and stationery home decor and hand lettering services such as hand address wedding invitations, baby announcements, and graduation announcements. They can also help you put that special touch on your event with custom printables, party decor, signs, and thank you notes. The Peachy Lettering Co. offers various graphic design services as well. For more information, go to our website, you'renotalonepodcast.com. I want to ask you a more personal question about what's been your hardest moment going through the foster system it can be once you've had the children or even before like what's been the hardest thing that you've dealt with the hardest thing one of my friends as a foster mom said it perfectly she said reaping what you did not sow is hard Mm. and that's been the hardest thing is I'm the one facing the consequences of somebody else's decisions yes Mm -hmm. um and a lot of times that's bad (laughs) bad consequences I'm the one having to take a five-year-old to the doctor to get caught up on five years worth of vaccines and you know hearing him yes I'm the bad guy taking him to get shots um I'm the one getting the backlash when they have a crazy day because they don't know how to self-regulate and they don't have any impulse control Mm -hmm. I'm the one taking them to six appointments a week for all types of different stuff yes so that's the hardest part is and along with that reaping those negative consequences and still showing their mom the love of Christ and grace and grace, and, grace. Yeah. and knowing that she has just really she's been doing the best she can with the cards that she's been dealt mm-hmm. and you know and if the lord had decided differently that could be me you right. know that's really been humbling and it's hard to know you know okay your kid has to brush your teeth. How do you not know that? Yes. But then also, you really didn't know that. And have the empathy. And, and have the empathy right. that nobody taught you that. So on the flip <clears throat> side of that, what has been the 
best thing or the biggest blessing that you've gotten from fostering? The biggest joy has been like actually seeing improvement mm-hmm. um, in in them, not just in their behavior, but real like heart, heart change. change. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the older ones said the other day, we weren't even really talking about anything, but he just said at the dinner table, hey, Thomas, did you know that um, we should have died on the cross for our sins because oh, we sinned, oh but Jesus did it instead for us. Isn't that great? And I can't wait to go to heaven and live with Jesus. Did you just, like, cry yes, at the dinner yeah, table? Yeah. <laughs> I was still right in here. the kitchen, yeah, and I just, like, things like, like that. Drop the food. Yeah. What so, yeah. <laughs> so, and he, we went to uh, VBS at our church, and he indicated, you know, they have the little cards that yes. for them to check off or whatever, and he indicated that he wants to, like, know more about how Aww. to become a Christian. So, things like that, and seeing, like, before, I would have to put them in timeout, and I always ask, why are you in timeout? And I would say 80% of the time, they, I don't know. <laughs> like, okay, let's talk about like, it. Like, I didn't do anything bad. I always did yeah. this. <laughs> and now they can tell me almost every time oh, wow. why they're in timeout yes. and what they did incorrectly, mm-hmm. you know, and what they should have done differently. And that's been good. I just, I've, I've told them, I said, I care about you guys too much to let y'all mm-hmm. be hoodlums. I'm not going to mm-hmm. let y'all be, <laughs> you know, the crazy kids. Yes, I'm not let y'all be the hoot nannies. <laughs> So uh, I know I have been able to see like just from different times we've all been around as a family and my kids have been around your all all three of the boys which they've always been around Jackson but just the other the other two and how they like look forward to seeing them like we were in the car on the way over here and they're like are they going to be there today and I was no. like not today they have a camp I think they're in yes. camp today and he was like my son was like oh man so he was yeah. like excited about it yeah. because oh there's boys my age mm-hmm. And, you know, they're just fun. So it's been neat for him to, like, be around new people and see this experience and sort of understand it because he Mm -hmm. asks me questions. I think that's the biggest blessing is the opportunity to show them love and the opportunity you guys have to introduce them to Christ and watch that relationship grow because they may have never had that. Our dad would always say, you might be the only Jesus they ever see. Yes. Talking about whether it's somebody you just met at the grocery store or whatever. And that has always stuck with us. And I think that's, you know, Carolyn and Thomas might be the only Jesus they ever see. Mm-hmm. And having that blessing of getting to show them that. And then that's, you know, you say you, you're you having to reap what you didn't sow. But you're reaping what you did sow, mm-hmm. you know, with with them and helping them grow their relationship and having them in church and having them around people that love them. So I think that's a huge blessing. It has been. And it's been really sweet to let them, like you said, they're at camp today, Mm -hmm. to let them do things that they've never gotten to do before Mm -hmm. and they may not ever get to do again. Mm -hmm. So we're in all the camps every week. (laughs) We're going to anything they want to do. Yes, we're doing it. Um, yeah, and letting them, you know, like we're going to hopefully put them in maybe some sports in the fall, like mm-hmm. soccer or football or something, and just letting them do, like, kid stuff because a lot of times they've experienced more than they should have experienced at this age, mm-hmm. and they've had to be responsible for more than they mm-hmm. should be at this age. Right. Um, so it's been it's been sweet to just let them right. have fun. Yes, good. Anything else you want to add? Um, I would just say if you are feeling like, hey, maybe we could do this. You can. Well, you can't, but the Lord can do it through you. (laughs) (laughs) He can enable you to do it. 
and to just at least go to the training classes Mm -hmm. because you can always decide after that this isn't for us but you have to have the training classes to do anything so at least check that out and and hear you know hear the need and hear the difference you can make and hear you know the hard and the and the good there's there's both it's definitely this is the hardest thing that we've ever done Mm -hmm. but I mean if we can change the life of just these two kids then that'll be worth it Mm -hmm. so if you feel like oh maybe we should yes you should at least go to an info session to get trained um let's look online if you're in Georgia it's impact training is what the training is called um and I will try to find the next impact training and y'all can put it maybe in the links yes if you know that you can't or like for example there's a family in our church who has eight kids so mm-hmm. you wow. can only have six in your home so they can't foster but they are in a care community and mm-hmm. they you know support mm-hmm. foster families in different ways babysitting and all that kind of stuff yeah so if you know that you can't do it for sure or like you know if you're in a place in your life like Hannah you're only 24 mm-hmm. you probably want to get mm-hmm. a little more life experience under your belt before yeah. you take on a kid from a really hard place yeah but yeah, just kind of get your feet wet with something. Um, become a CASA is another great way, mm-hmm. a court-appointed special advocate. There's a great shortage of those, and every kid really needs one. They're the only person in the courtroom that is advocating for the best interest of the child. Okay. Great. Literally nobody else is because foster parents don't get to speak in court, so mm-hmm. the CASA is the only one advocating so for them. You say that about foster parents don't get to speak in court. Do you report everything to your um, caseworker, like mm. everything that you see, like this happened, this happened during therapy, or this ha- you know, that kind of thing, do you report that to them so then they speak for you in court? Or does the CASA, I mean, what is what does that look like? I tell everybody that has any power everything so that okay, <laughs> everybody <good. laughs> has the information. Someone has knowledge. I'm probably too yeah. thorough. Like I send every month, I'll send like a recap email and it's literally like, 10 paragraphs and they're probably like okay thank you so much Mm -hmm. but I just want to make sure that everybody knows everything and nothing's getting left out right but basically how it works in court is the CASA advocates for what's best for the child whether it's what the child wants or not the attorney advocates for what the child wants whether that's in their best interest or not they have to Mm -hmm. advocate for what the child is their client Mm -hmm. and then defects is kind of in the middle so they're represented by an attorney as well um, and they're kind of in the middle, and then the the biological family has an attorney as well, mm-hmm. advocating for their best interests. So it all kind of works together, but very rarely do, unless the judge says, "How are the kids doing?" And yes. you're the only one that can answer. Like, let me stand up. Yes, yeah. Yeah. please let me tell you. Hold on, let so, me get my ten page email. Yes. I'll be glad to tell you. Let me you. just pull this up, Exhibit A. Yeah. I'd like to present the court. So and but court is it's an interesting. That's kind of where all the details come out, all the stuff that you may not know. Because a lot of it's privileged information, so you may not know all of that. But if you attend court, you get a little more info, and you can build a better relationship with the biological family. It kind of helps you see, okay, this is the reason that this is happening. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, it kind of gives a better explanation. Okay, so tell us what you would say to foster parents or maybe even there's some foster kids who might listen to this. I don't know. But what would you say to those people who feel like they're alone 
in whatever part of the foster care realm mm-hmm. they're in, what would you say to them to remind them they're not alone? I would say, especially to foster parents, you are in the minority, but you're still not alone. Mm-hmm. You have, the, I have a, like a group of local foster moms that were just in a Facebook group chat. Mm-hmm. And just that has been so helpful just to bounce ideas off each other. So I would say even if you can only plug in like digitally like that mm-hmm. to find some kind of community to where you can know or truly know that you're not alone because you always have someone to call, someone to text, someone to help you, someone to answer questions. Like like I said earlier, there's half a million foster kids in the United States. So way more families are touched by foster care than mm-hmm. we could ever know. Mm-hmm. Um there's way more, you know, and a lot, like, it's not like they walk around with a shirt that says, I'm a foster kid, right, you know? Right, So there's probably many kids, you know, in your schools, in your kids' schools, in your kids' class, in your, you know, church groups, that you just don't even know no. are, foster, are foster kids because they don't look any different from their foster parents. Sometimes they do, but, you know, you may, you just may not know. Right. So just, and knowing, and, and people who aren't really involved, just knowing that it, touches so many lives Mm -hmm. and there's so many people involved in it um there's I just encourage anyone who's in it to find a community to turn to Mm -hmm. um, because there are times when I I know I've been like I looked at Thomas and I said I'm not cut out for this and he looked back at me he said nobody is that's right (laughs) you know it's not like he said you're not failing just this is hard and you have to rely on the Lord and that's been the, like, I mean, I don't know. A lot of people are like, I don't know how you do all the stuff that you do. And I'm like, I, I don't know. Don't know. Either. <laughs> well, A, I don't sleep. And B, the Lord sustains me through every day. I managed to get through the day. Having, it has definitely brought me and Thomas closer together. Because some Good. days I'm like, yes, the house looks like a tornado blew through it. Because uh, these yes. children are Tasmanian devils. Like, <laughs> right. I don't know. Just and he's say, like, I got, I understand. We're doing the Lord's work. Yes. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. it's messy. We have three boys in our house. Yes. Yeah. It goes. Three growing boys. Yes. Oh, Lord. Oh. Well, no. we have a fun question for you. Okay. What is something that you are loving right now? So we just got back from going to Hilton Head with Thomas's mm-hmm. family. So we got a little getaway in the, um, the older boys went to, um, a respite family just for um, three days, mm-hmm. which it was nice to just have a little break and just see Jackson, you know, light up at the yes. sand and the beach and yes. playing and all of that and just getting to relax and not really have to make anyone's mm-hmm. breakfast, lunch, and dinner and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and then with my job for the Student Literacy Society, part of my job is to read books mm-hmm. and write mm-hmm. um, discussion guides. So I've gotten to read a lot more books than I have read, you know, yeah, in a like, long it's my time. Job. I have yes, to read. <laughs> and they're fun books, you know, like because mostly I've been reading like how to raise kids, yeah, <laughs> yes. and how to discipline kids. So um, what's been one that one? you've read that you're like, I love that one. So I just finished. It's called Pretty in Punxsutawney, like okay. the Groundhog, yeah. and it's a mashup between The Breakfast Club and Pretty in Pink okay. and Groundhog Day. How funny! So this girl gets stuck in a living the first day of school over and over again and it's it's really cute it is really good so I definitely recommend it cute awesome well thank you so much yes for being thank here. you for having me yes and thank you for sharing your heart I've learned so much even more than I feel like I learned already from you today and I think our listeners are really going to benefit from this and be able to take the steps into either becoming a foster family or helping in the community so thanks for being here thank you all for having me thank you
Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure that you follow us on Instagram and Facebook and subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss out on any new exciting episodes.